Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. For today's episode, I have a very fantastic special guest. I am so excited to talk to them. Um, they've done a lot for game design, um, for creating new games, and as well as creating uh, adventure paths and just had a book uh, come out. So if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, uh, uh, Quinn Murphy, a um, game designer. Um, you know, uh, done a, a bunch of stuff. I've been freelancing for like over a decade off and on. And uh, yeah, the the book coming out uh, that just released is spoken on the song "Wind" um, as part of the Strength of Thousands adventure path uh, for Pathfinder Two. And um, yeah, I guess that's sort of the the fast uh, part of it. Uh, you know, I've, I've designed over. Um, you know, I've been designing um, for um, many years. Of you know, designed for stuff from um, the Marvel Heroic to uh, uh, D and D to uh, a bunch of systems, <laughs> honestly. Um, and, um, and then, and then done some of my own. Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, uh, we'll definitely get into all of that. Um, where I usually like to start is just like, how did you even get into nerd stuff in general? You know, where did you kind of grow up that way? Were you exposed to, you know, sci-fi fantasy at an early age? Yeah. I mean, my brother, my brother was like, it was almost like a hereditary thing. My brother was like really into, to, to nerd shit um for for like like his early like teens so he was into D back in um kind of like uh it's early uh heydays and you know back in the advanced D and like i'd see him and his friends playing and it sounded really interesting but those books like for anyone who has not seen the old dandy books they were not kid friendly i was like yeah. in first grade and they were like no you can't even 
think about these books, right? Because, you know, they had like, you know, naked ladies in them, <laughs> um, you know, like gore, you know, like all, all the stuff. They, they were they were they were highly unsanitary. So they just wouldn't let me look at them because yeah. they're too young in it. And that, of course, of course, when you hide something like that, then you make it even more appealing for someone. Uh, but I bided my time. And then when I was about 11, like a few years later, my, my brother was out like discovering, you know, you know, discovering the world, right. And, yeah. You know, drugs, girls, you know, like social interactions and all of those things. Um, he, he didn't have time for, you know, my brother's seven years older than me. So he was like 18. Yeah. Um, and sort of, you know, moving on. Um, and, uh, into like other more, more computer specific nerd stuff. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, okay, cool. I like grabbed his books. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to see what all of this is about. Uh, and, uh, I started, uh, you know, I got it like reading everything and, you know, uh, I just sort of really got into it. And the interesting part for me, uh, I think this is the part we would call foreshadowing yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the movie. Uh, of my life is that we didn't I, I didn't have uh, my brother mostly played he never gm'd so mm -hmm. he didn't have the game master's guide okay and like back it was way back before the days of amazon or anything like that i couldn't just order the book right the nearest place i could get any sort of game stuff was like 30 minutes away and yeah. I, I didn't drive. I was, right, I was yeah. a kid. So I had to like wait till my mom could like take me and the, like, they didn't often didn't have like, keep those things stocked. You could hardly order it. So for like a good first year that I played uh first edition D and I didn't have the game master's guide and they had like a lot of essential rules, like leveling up all of that stuff in there. So I had to actually make it oh, wow. myself if we were going to play. Yeah. Um, and and that sort of like kind of defined my 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 experience, you know. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I, I think definitely, like you said, that that foreshadowing aspect of it, because I think about it now, and there are so many rules, um, and I don't homebrew homebrew a bunch of rules myself. Um, I leave a lot of that to what's already there, so I can imagine that process, especially as a young kid, uh, going through it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, did you, right. what did you like, did you just kind of figure out a way that was going to make it work or? I mean, I, so, so what was interesting, so we played that way for a, a long time and eventually I got my hands on a game master guide, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or sorry, um, I'm calling it game, the dungeon master guide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I got my hand on the uh, first edition dungeon master guide that filled in the hole and, and, and there's a ton, there's, I want to say, oh man, I did so well. Like, like I got a ton of stuff wrong, right? <laughs> I, I would have, if this were, if this were for a test in school, I would have flunked just uh, like really bad, right? I would have yeah. had to have like a long, hour long talk with my mom about like my <laughs> academic performance, right? Um, but what was really awesome was what I got right. There yeah. were there were parts where I was like, oh, I like, I, I was like, oh man. I got that like perfect. Like I just from inference from like right. the stuff that's there. I was like, well, this must mean this. So let's play it like that. And, and, you know, and, 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 and it was one of those, you know, if I got 70% of things wrong and 30% of things are right, those 30% were so encouraging that it just sort of, and, and that fact that we've been playing happily, with that 30% and stuff that I got right for so long 
was kind of uh, I, I think sometimes when people get into the hobby, right, there's all these like rules and, you know, and, and, and there's no lack of um, finding them or a- anything like that. And so it, it sometimes discourages them. Right. Initially for making up their own stuff. Yeah. And where where me, I was wholly encouraged to just approach a game with no fear of rules like, oh, I could do something and we can have fun with it. Yeah. If I need to. Yeah. That's really cool. Did um, was there rules that you had made up that when you found they were wrong that you decided you were going to keep them because you preferred the way you did it? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think, are there any, the stuff I tried to do, uh, I, I tried to make up stuff for like psionics. Okay. Um, but like almost all of the pertinent rules for psionics are in the game are in the dungeon master's guide. Yeah. Um, so my stuff was just so far off. I was like, okay, I'll just, um, <laughs> try and use theirs. And, and as it turns out, the, the first edition D and D's things, psionic rules are also unusable um so it was <laughs> it was it was kind of a watch yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah yeah there 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 were definitely things where i was just like okay well let me just go use this and um because uh, it's like easier or better somehow yeah that's really cool and then did you how long did you stick with first edition um Till second edition came out, you know, like, you know, I played, uh, you know, like a lot of my, my formative, uh, things were, uh, you know, I played, I played first edition advanced D and Um, uh, at one point uh, we, we played a little bit of the, um, you know, like a, a chain mail and stuff. Um, then, um, found some of like the, like the red book, mm-hmm. uh, red box, yeah. uh, basic D and D and, you know, we played, played all of that. Um, and, and I will say that, that my favorite editions of D&D like my, my my top 2 are actually 4th ed and right right under it is um the uh basic D&D like as represented by the rule cyclopedia okay so um yeah nobody could see it because this is a audio podcast but I gave Quinn a look when he said 4th edition was his favorite because uh you might be one of those very few people in the world that believes that um <laughs> a lot of people really hate 4th edition yeah what is it about it that you enjoyed because i think there's a lot of people that don't even give it a chance to to be fair yeah well you know and it's weird too because there's this whole like weird like boring nostalgia kind of thing that i've seen online and stuff it's very interesting and you know sometimes i see it and i'm just like where were y'all back then but you know <laughs> yeah. uh, hindsight 2020 all of that um you know and i understand uh a regrettable thing about four, four Ed that I'll just lead with is Watsi made a lot of decisions regarding its business partners and its community, which make it, depending on where you're at in those things, really, really difficult yeah. to like the way that they sort of like cut out people, blew up their continuity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but when I came into 4E, I had, had not been playing um, really, uh, any D and D, um, if I'd been doing role playing for like many years. So I was like completely kind of, uh, you know, um, I, I'd kind of hit my sort of limit of third ed stuff and I was doing other things. Yeah. Um, and so I came in there and, and what, what appealed to me about fourth ed, ed is it kind of like distills a lot of what's, uh, fun in that heroic, um, gameplay there. It was like, had a really good tactical system. Um, and it didn't, 
you know, a lot of people say that it sort of stifles role playing, but like really it was just, I, I, I thought a lot of what it sort of left out were sort of purposeful omissions. So you could just sort of fill those in for role playing. Gotcha. Uh, and, uh, and I think the concept of skill challenges was something that was desperately kind of like needed. It was like one of the best things D and D got, um, uh, though the implement, the strict by the rules implementation left a lot to be desired. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were like ways, you know, like, like I, I uh, did a blog back in the day called at will. And one of the things, one of the wildly popular things um, that we did on the site were our, our own implementation of skill challenges. Okay. Um, you know, we did um, one skill challenge that well, one of the, one of the popular ones was one where it was a skill challenge where you were uh, gambling with this sort of like magical, uh, you were playing a game of poker against this sort of like, a uh, special sort of uh, magician who, if you lost, you like could like lose part of your soul to him. <laughs> um, it was something, yeah. you know, uh, you know, credit credit here goes to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. Um, I like stole this whole thing from them. Yeah. Um, but it was like a really cool way, you know, and it's broken down. And, and, and we just would do we, we, we take out some of the limitations that they put in their rules as written one okay. um, and just sort of let the system be what it was. So, so there's like a lot of potential in that system and sort of growth in that yeah. uh, system. So, uh yeah, but I've I've basically played just about every I've played every edition of D and D. Okay, um, there it is. Yeah, and did you when Pathfinder first edition came out? Did you jump on that right away as well, or was it? Uh... Um, I, I didn't I didn't touch Pathfinder first edition actually because because I was by by the time Path Pathfinder first edition came out, right? Um, so it, 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 I was already done with third ed as a kind of a rule set. Gotcha. Like I bought. Yeah, um, you know, I had a, a huge collection of third ed thing, and it, it just there's just too much glut and kind of weird. Uh, you know, I played it enough to be tired of its sort of pains yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, but but while still like I actually still had bought like a lot of different products that they made because because I, I think Paizo just has always made really great pro products. Yeah. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'd buy stuff like their face cards and stuff like that. I was I would be buying Paizo stuff, but I just wasn't playing first ed gotcha. at all mm -hmm. when well, i imagine back then some of that was probably easier to convert to a D, &D game from the paizo stuff than it is now uh with having second mm -hmm. edition to fifth edition um because while they are fairly similar there's probably a lot of stuff that like the numbers alone just because of you're adding more yeah. numbers it, it, and the conditions and things like that it would be a little bit more difficult to do i think yeah, well, and well, the, the the basic crux of their their math, they're like, I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of these things where people can people compare fifth ed and and two uh, e a lot uh, because they start, you know, they have the six attributes and they roll use d twenties, but they're like math and their basic kind of philosophies really couldn't be more different. Like yeah. it's kind of when, when people go too hard comparing them, I'm just like you're just doing them both a disservice. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think fifth ed is really good for some experiences. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, second ed, this is good, really good for some experiences. You know, I, I'm not currently in a fifth ed campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I'm not against being in one, you know, it's not yeah. like a, like you don't have to, it's not like Highlander. Yeah. 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 I got you. <laughs> yeah. though, though, though people try to make it like, right. Yeah. No, for sure. I, um, I, 
definitely have played both and and still will play both um because like you said i think there are things that it's just easier i think for so many people that are coming especially into the community now fifth edition is a lot of people's starting point and so for them it's just easier to continue with that if you're like playing with a new group mm-hmm. but i personally prefer the pathfinder 2e system um for my own reasons and and but at the same time like if somebody was like hey you want to play a 5e game i'm happy to jump in and, and do that too so sure. you know i think it's just uh people get up and talk about like the crunchiness of it and i try to explain like if you start any game at a high level there's a lot of numbers you're gonna have to try to figure out if you start at first level and play through it and learn the game it's the same if you're learning on 5e as if you are learning on pathfinder 2e it's just two different rule sets right yeah so yeah go ahead yeah yeah i was just going to add on to that it's while Pathfinder asks you to take on some, in some ways, some additional upfront load, it also, I find, makes, well, one, it makes it worth it because the um, character options that you get yeah. and the way that you can express a character, even like at first level, are just, like I had a bunch of friends, they play lots, lots of Fifth Ed, right? And I was like, hey, I would love to run Pathfinder for, for, for y'all, um, you know hop in right you know and they're and they're still playing you know fifth ed and stuff like that but they were like started um you know i pointed them to path builder Uh and i was like hey just take a peek right and every time i point someone to path builder like (laughs) they like come out of a fugue state a day later and they're like i made so many characters i'm like i know right like that's what's gonna happen yeah um you know and they discover like they're like just like or on our discord for the game they're like oh my god i like made like all these characters it's so cool how the uh you know is is the that extra bit of complexity is sort of uh comes with a lot of choices and cool stuff that you get to do yeah and then also i feel like in some ways it's actually a little easier to teach right like you know my my 10 year old son i've taught him to play pathfinder like that like like he he instantly glommed onto the three action economy yeah. like it took like one or two turns to so he and and he was like okay i'll do this and this 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 that that's like so simple yeah and nice you know stuff like that and yeah for sure i i definitely agree i think uh it, it's fun we actually i did a character creation recently with a friend that we played 5e with who's joining our pathfinder 2e game and just as he's going through the options he was just amazed um you know of all the different things you can do and um you know having like the assurance where you don't just have to be a rogue or a bard to you know just take 10 and add your modifier uh instead of rolling on something so there's a lot of really really cool stuff in there i think um that just gets mm-hmm. yeah you just got to get exposed to it like you said um i think that helps a right. lot so um for you growing up uh where did you grow up if you don't mind my asking um, I, my, my first few years up until about fourth grade, I grew up in, uh, New York city, um, okay. uh, what do we call it? Uh, Manhattan, then the Bronx. Yeah. Um, and then, um, we moved to Western upstate New York over by Buffalo and Rochester. Okay. And that's mostly where like, you know, out, out in, out in the rural yeah. parts. And that's, that's where, um, most of my childhood from fourth grade to high school. Nice. Yeah. What was the, um, uh, in terms of like the nerd community and things like that, how was that out there growing up for you? I mean, basically me and my friends were the nerd community. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You know, we were, we were the, we were the, you know, I was, I was the, um, odd duck, um, 
uh, you know, uh, kid running games. Um, I was I, I was the forever GM, yeah. Um, sort of gaming ring leader. Um, we used to play at uh, our uh, local library. Like like I like one day I was like, oh hey, we could just use this space in the library. Like, why don't we go talk to them? So I went and talked to them and asked them if we could like play in there regularly. So we we, we did. Nice. So we used to play in the library sometimes and um, stuff like that. But it was like you know it was small. It was just like people I knew and yeah. you know people we'd kind of rope into it. And some people loved it. Some people eventually you know moved on. But it was always uh, you know uh, it was just that sort of tight knit group and you know there was like a little we were kind of the weirdos too um but yeah but at that like if you already have your friends and and you're happy then who cares yeah yeah basically yeah no that's awesome i think it's cool and um are you fortunate enough to be able to stick with those friends throughout your life was that um a few of them a few a few of them um, I'm still in contact with him. You know, one, one of them, um, uh, you know, uh, he's one of my best friends and, um, you know, he lives like the town over. Oh yeah. Um, we sort of have, uh, follows each other to school and, um, <laughs> other places. And, um, so yeah, like, I've, you know, I've known him for, you know, 30 years or so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and then, uh, yeah, uh, not, not everybody, but, but definitely some people, yeah. uh, and, and made lots of, uh, lots of friends through the hobby um in the meantime yeah that's awesome when did you um so you, you know you talked about kind of having that moment of creating rules for D. um when did you kind of know like this is what you wanted to do and and started to pursue it game design and things like that i i i had been like doing like all my sort of like homebrew and like other like ideas i met and uh, honestly the time that i the time that i could see myself in it was I was at a uh, con uh, SimCon, if I'm not mistaken, SimCon 13. Um, it was like way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the SimCon's a, a thing that they hold at a um, University of Rochester. Okay. Um, I don't know if they're still holding it, but they were what they were um, uh, when I was a kid. And um, I was there with the friends uh, in high school and um, I played my first game of Cyberpunk uh, uh-huh. with... Uh, Mike Pondsmith, he was uh, wow. a guest there. And he was a GM. Um, That's wild. And uh, he was a great GM. He was a great GM. And um, but but it was just like you know, and he he was really cool, um, really smart, and you know he designed this whole system, and it was just like it blew me away. Yeah. Right. And it was just like you know, like I'd always thought. I mean, I I'd always thought game design was for white people, right? Like they were just <laughs> yeah. gonna like go go do that. No one's gonna no one's gonna listen to to me, right? Yeah. Uh, about doing, I'm just gonna uh, play these games, and then it was like, oh, like maybe I that that just sort of. Like a bit, you know. I mean, that, that that kind of thing changed my life, you know. And I, I, like, it, and it wasn't that Mike Pondsmith was like doing anything special. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, Lab Jumu that you know we didn't have like a a a, a you know a special bonding lock eye, you know, <laughs> come with me, kid, mentor him. He was just being himself, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. himself is really cool, awesome person, uh, great GM, right? Um, and running the game that he wrote, but that that made a difference for me that, yeah. that was all i needed um and and then i was off the races yeah mm-hmm. no that's i mean that's crazy um have you like you know now that you're in this world have you been in mm-hmm. communication with him again since then and 
Like, no, I've never, I've never gotten a chance to uh, like uh, see him or like talk to him again. I would, I would love, I would love to. Hope, hopefully, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can meet him at a con one day and just, like, <laughs> just, just be like, hey, thanks. I don't, you know, I want to make it like too, you know, weird. Some, you know, stranger yeah. sobbing on your shoulder or something. <laughs> but you know, like, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to get the opportunity to just, uh, you know, tell him sort of what his presence, just, just his presence in the hobby, means to me personally. Yeah. Um, but I just haven't got that chance yet. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, for sure, that's that really is um, representation in the best way. Just having that person, um, and that was something I didn't realize until recently. Somebody uh, I heard an uh, interview with Tanya DePass, and she was talking about it, and mentioned that Mike Pond Smith was black, and uh, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then you know, his son now does uh, the Witcher RPG, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just uh, super fascinating. Um, so when you went to school and stuff like, I mean, obviously that's a huge pivotal moment and um, so cool. Then after that, like, how did you start to get into it? What did you, was just stuff like work on on your own and try to send it out? Or, um, you know, did you try to apply for specific places or? Um, you know, I, I, like, I, I, like, I mostly like kind of, I didn't really start, um, getting into sort of game design as a uh, thing for until like my like early thirties. Okay. Um, so like I spent like a long, a lot of time, like, like I would design stuff, but you know, an interesting thing is, um, no one tells you when you do art, like, like, like there, there's very little instruction, um, and definitely very little, uh, you know, uh, for for me at the time uh as a sort of a a a black creative uh very little mentoring yeah right for sure um uh available uh to like how to finish a project Mm -hmm. how to like make something like happen how to like kind of hit these goals right like and so i would like kind of start with an i you know and then i had like undiagnosed adhd right all this kind of stuff it took like a couple of decades of just sort of stopping and starting projects um, and like learning how to like get things done. And, um, then I started, a, uh, I got into a part where I started writing, um, uh, the blog before, uh, the, uh, 4E blog yeah. uh, at will. Yeah. Um, and that kind of one day started getting some traction and people started like paying attention to it. And that led into me getting some, uh, freelance work. Um, and then that's just when things started sort of snowballing for it. Um, and um, and then I, then I started like actually you know getting work and getting published in things like the Lost City thing for Cobalt Press and yeah um, a bunch yeah. of other stuff. But yeah, that's awesome. I think it's it's really cool just to kind of see and and I know like there's so many things that like you said we just don't really understand when we're younger. Um, you know how to get into it, how to finish it, how to stick with it. Um, not really having mentorship around it, um, and that's really such a big deal. Um, sometimes when you know especially when you kind of just need to push in the right direction but i'm glad obviously that it worked out for you and that's really cool um to to see a lot of this stuff now and you know what what's do you have like a favorite um game you've worked on or or designed um yeah uh that's uh so i so i can definitely i can definitely say Pathfinder 2 is like my favorite game that I am currently that that, that I, I've designed for. I mean, I, I know I'm doing stuff for it now, yeah. um, but I, I really I, I've worked in all sorts of conditions and all sorts of uh, 
folks, um, you know, and, and, and there are lots of folks that I really, you know, love working with and, and things like that. But I really love the community um, around like of freelancers and uh, writers around the game. I really loved working with the developers is the experience of doing the work has been like really incredible. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, 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 and it happens to be for a game that I really, really enjoy. Right. So, and, um, but I'd also for a game I made, um, I really love this game. I made community radio. Okay. Um, it's like kind of like part based on like, um, uh, welcome to night Vale. Uh, and, um, also like a little, the little touch of Northern exposure you play sort of like, it's like a quick, quirky little improv game, um, that you can play like no prep, uh, and just, uh, people like go and do some weird slice of life scene. And then there's a radio station that, sort of describes what happened, but then also gives a decree from like a secret council, which is also played by people who are in the game. And so it's just like a very zany wild game and yeah. um, it's, it's super fun. And it like, just when I look at it, it feels like impossible, mm-hmm. um, but it works really well. So I like, I, I, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, how long ago did you design that game? Or, put it out i guess into the world um maybe did i design that six seven years ago something like that like six seven years ago i designed that yeah that's very cool yeah so um with the pathfinder stuff um you know pathfinder 2e like we talked about we both really enjoy it did you do any work at all on the moinga expense book the lost omens book um obviously you have the Mm. adventure path out now but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't do any uh, on the book. Okay. Um, I, I did have access to it yeah. when I was writing stuff. Like I needed stuff on Nantambu and some other um, details. Yeah. Um, um, and then I did a. Um, uh, I did do um, right when it was Mwanga Expanse was getting uh, ready to come out. I did do a flash fiction piece. Oh, nice. About old uh, mage Tembe uh, stopping uh, the splintering child uh, spawn of Rovogog. Um, from uh, ravaging uh, um, Nantambu uh, back in the day, uh, that was really fun to write. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing in the book proper. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's really cool though to be able to to be a part of that. I I got to see. I saw one like release. Um, I think it was for uh, Jabari Weathers um, did a, a flash figure, mm-hmm. and I and I read theirs. Yeah, that, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. So when you, funny enough, you're the first uh, black person I've spoken to that has that has played Pathfinder 2E to the extent that you have and understands like the importance of uh, the book. Like what was it for you? What was your experience kind of seeing that this was going to be made and and seeing what the, you know, finished product was? I mean, uh, I mean, it was, (laughs) I'll be honest, uh, Ron uh, is so, so it was, so there are a couple like surprises, right? Like I was, um, I started um, writing um, for, uh, Pathfinder and I was I was I was sitting there uh, you know one of the one of the awesomest things you can do um, for Paizo because they're like an adventure company is write an adventure right and mm-hmm. I was like okay I'd had this I had a couple year plan right I was gonna like huh I was gonna do some stuff you know I'd uh, done you know I started with a, a, a Pathfinder Society quest and you know I was gonna you know get some stuff here get some stuff there and just like move my way up there and then you know boom like one day like I'll see if I can you know I'll I'll pitch in and 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 go for an adventure path and um 
after I had uh, turned in a thing uh, a little while after I'd done a um, work for uh, that ended up going into the abomination vaults, um, Ron sort of pitched, you know, he's like, Hey, we have this thing. Uh, you know, how would you like to write an adventure path? And I was like, you know, it was one of those things where I'm looking around the room. Like is, is someone prank, is someone pranking me right now? Yeah. Like is someone playing with my emotions? Right. Cause that's not nice. Yeah. And, uh, but they weren't. And then, and then, and then, you know, uh, he explained to me sort of what it was going to be. And I was, I was just beyond on board. Yeah. Um, it was it, for, for, for me and my gaming career, one, one of the things, one of the things that I wanted for a long time was to increase this representation. I wanted to make like, like I'd wanted to make fantasy. I, I wanted to make something that like, like the Mwangi expense, I wanted to have like Afrocentric fantasy that wasn't just based on uh, outsiders kind of view yeah. of what black people should should be right you know yeah. and and back in the day when i'd mentioned stuff like that uh, the refrain is it's almost like a joke between me and people who've known me for a long time is like what about nyambe right and <laughs> nyambe was like um uh, uh you know a, a a third ed supplement um for you know for an african thing and it's like you know uh like super well-meaning um there's not like you know i don't like i'm not trying to get after um, its intent, but it's really like, you can sort of tell it's just a mapping of sort of Euro tropes to there. There's nothing sort yeah. of special or magical yeah. about it. It's just sort of like, let's just sort of take some African history and slap it on D and D. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted something that was sort of like more than the sum of the parts. And, you know, it was a theme that I'd, I'd worked on and tried to, you know, and, and, you know, tried and failed. Right. You know, and I, I wish I could say I had, was successful at it um, to get going. And so and then here it was finally, like, you know, a big publisher like Paizo um, picking it up and like making it happen and like asking me to be a part of it. And yeah. so, of course, they said yes. And it was just it just uh, it just meant it just it just meant a lot to me that it was happening and that um and, and they were investing real resources in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was really, um, I was excited when I first got into Pathfinder just to learn that there was a place called the Moenia Expanse and that there was like, you know, mm -hmm. like black people in this fantasy game. Um, but it was still kind of just like a place on the map, you know, uh, when I first really learned about it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, you know, fast forward to, well, I'm like, okay, I'm running my own home campaign. I, doing it in this space and trying to find like the resources for it. Like um, I wanted the Songo halflings to be involved, but there wasn't like, mm -hmm. there was like a paragraph of information about right. the Songo halfling. And I was like, okay. So I just started homebrewing some stuff about who they would be and, and mm -hmm. uh, based on the very little information I had. And then I saw that the book was coming out and I was like, oh, okay, like I'm excited for this. I hope, you know, and then you start to see like the author list and, uh, um, you know, what, what uh, get some of like the sneak peeks and some of the, the uh, flash fiction and, and then get the book in your hands. And um, to just, I was just amazed by all of the stuff. And, and like you said, the, you know, the quality of care that went into making it um, what it is uh, mm -hmm. and really doing a good job. And I mean, even, you know, things like reskinning orcs 
for the Mungi expense and not just making them. Oh, the Matanje are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. They are so good. Yeah. So yeah, like they were just, <laughs> sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no, sorry. no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So, um, you know, when we did my friend's character creation, he wanted to be an Anadi, which is like a spider folk and, yeah. um, and they can change into typically humans. Um, and there was one type, one, uh, sub ancestry if you will of a naughty that can change to anything else and i was like choose what you want but i think you should be um the orcs from the movie expense and he was like okay yeah this hmm. is awesome and as i was like explaining to him and i mean there's the lore behind some of that stuff and getting like you know multiple pages about all these different things um and seeing you know uh especially for yourself probably you coming from all the way back from first edition like to never have uh, a, a canonical picture of a black dwarf, you know what I mean? Or a black halfling. Right. Or, yeah. It's such a huge, mm-hmm. huge, cool deal. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, and no spoilers for your, your book, of course, but, um, you know, getting to write some of those stories, um, mm-hmm. it, I imagine that had to just be, super crazy and t- uh I, I i don't know if i can pronounce the name correctly of the school but the magambia is that give or take magambia magambia so yeah um you know having that be like the most like the oldest most prodigious wizard college mm-hmm. in in Glarian. that's such a cool 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 thing you know yeah what uh, uh yeah for yourself yeah about that adventure book like what do you you know Say whatever you'd like. Uh, I guess <laughs> you know, no yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's there's a bunch of bunch of stuff. I, I will I will try to be as spoiler free yeah. as possible. I've been like thinking for like quite some time on how I can talk about this book um, and and like not give spoilers. But you know, so so like I'll say the the especially the first. I think there's an overall theme within the adventure path of growth right Mm -hmm. of of sort of like it's it's not just okay we're just we're gonna you know stop the bad guy it's like you're you're going to develop as people yeah right you're gonna like learn things about yourself you're gonna learn things about the world right um you're gonna learn some things you probably don't want to learn right and along the way um but you know tough right this is this is life um and like in my book specifically i feel like you have an opportunity because you're out in the, and by the time you get to my book, you're like, you know, uh, students on like a fast track um, to, you know, uh, be sort of advanced students and, and, and beyond. Right. Um, yeah. uh, and what happens sort of in there is that it, you sort of go on this sort of internship where you're like, instead of being in the school, all day you're actually going out into the city and like helping people and getting involved with the people so you're then also learning about um the the city that yeah nantambu um where where the magambia is sort of based um and you're you're learning about the people and you're learning uh you know and you're, you're learning different approaches and you're doing everything from you know competing in storytelling contests to like you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of civic, uh, uh, which was civil engineering to, um, all, all these like different a- activities that you, that you have to sort of do and sort of determine how you want to react and, 
um, be to them. So, so, so I think that's like a really, uh, I, that, that was one of the things that I loved about like writing and approaching it um, so much is that, that I have to kind of think about um, there's plenty of like action and um, fighting in it. Um, right. This is Pathfinder. Right? Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're action adventure. <laughs> yeah. But then but then adding that kind of like context to it uh, was like a really interesting, a really fun challenge. I guess the other thing I would think about, it, I just went on a Twitter rant about this. I will mm-hmm. try and like yeah. keep it shorter than my Twitter rant. Um, but like, I, I guess the thing, the, the thing I'm most, ex- most excited about mm-hmm. people coming into when they read the book is for me, for adventure writing, the most important, the most important thing for your adventure to make it good mm-hmm. is your characters. If you don't have good characters, yeah. then it's very hard for people to be grounded in your adventure. Even if you have other great elements right and i'm not saying you necessarily need a ton of great characters or like you know they have to be of a certain thing but there has to be people that they care about because because no one really the adventurers don't save the world they save the people in it and so you have to have them meet those people and 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 those people become proxy for the larger thing that they're saving um and i just feel like um i i found uh, lots of ways to sort of characterize and um, bring in all these different like characters from like very small minor characters to um, large major pivotal characters uh, that I hope is like evocative that I hope that there will uh, like I think there are lots of people in the Magambia in Nantambu um, that GMs and players will like love right or love to hate Right. That's fine. You know, that's the other thing is that they don't have to love the characters. They just have to be interested. They have to be engaged with them. Right. Um, Yeah. And I think there I think there are a lot of I think there are a lot of those in the book. And so I think that will be, you know, I think it's a great follow up to Kindled Magic, um, uh, just sort of expanding um, the horizons there um, from from just just the school based view to sort of the wider people based view. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really awesome. I think, you know, because speaking of Twitter, um, we I kind of started you and, uh, an, another gentleman, Nick Butler on a conversation about, uh, uh, just game design. Yeah, it yeah, was kind yeah. of like, a throwing out a question about Dragon Ball Z and, and, you know, how do you power scale and, and you guys kind of went off and it was really awesome just to see, like, it was much more than I ever expected to be sure. Um, but you know, you talked about, the stakes and having stakes. And so I am curious, you know, as a, as a creative person in general for you, you know, how long did it get to you for you to get to the point where you understood like stakes and creating the characters? And um, was it something that was natural as a storyteller or was it something you developed? um, You think it's interesting. Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I I think, I I mean, I think there's two elements to it, right? There is um, there's understanding sort of stakes in a dramatic and narrative sense. Right. Um, yeah. and that is a thing that I feel, um, I've always been like writing stories and telling stories. And like, at this point, it's like, I don't, I couldn't tell when that became kind of a re- reflexive thing that, um, like I understood, like, like I'm, 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 I can be, I can be for the wrong person, a very annoying person to watch movies with, uh, thank the heavens my, my, my partner enjoys it. Um, but you know, like I'm, I'm really good at knowing 
what's going to happen next is like really good at going like oh then this you know like yeah. i'd be like oh then that they're going to do this and this and then that right i'm like a yeah. walking kind of spoiler yeah. stuff because because if the story is well written they will follow this sort of logic of narrative stakes right they will they will put this up at stake and then mm-hmm. this will be the end result of kind of where where it goes through there's there's just a logic to it um but then for yeah. game design there is uh, a thing and, and and i feel like i've only fairly recently um in the last few years sort of gotten what i feel is a knack for it it's it's really tricky at least at least for me it's been tricky is Mm -hmm. setting is is understanding stakes but setting gameplay up to represent those things well right in a story that you wrote and you control well you can obviously go well this is here and you're there and you know, <laughs> this is what's going to happen from it. But in a game that people will play, you actually have to use your understanding of the system and the dice to create the opportunity for that. Um, and and you're, you're, yeah. you're sort of using dice and math to create that feeling of stakes, but you don't have control over it. You can't control the people in that moment. And so you have to think right. of it you have to sort of think of the space around the stakes a lot more. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I think it, it, it's, it's tough. You know, I, even in my own games, I'm a fairly new GM, but you know, trying to find those things that the players are going to grab onto, um, it, you know, it does take time to develop and, and really uh, master that skill to, to know. Cause to me, sometimes I'm like, Oh, like this wasn't a tough battle. And they're like, we almost died. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, but you didn't die. Like you weren't unconscious, it, you know? Um, and then I introduced uh, as my party was traveling, I introduced a flash flood and mm-hmm. they got out of it quickly, but that had like very, very high uh, mechanical stakes in the sense of like, easily could have died or you know mm-hmm. been pushed away and and who else knows what happened so um but yeah you know trying to build those story beats mm-hmm. um has always been something that i i want to do because I, mm-hmm. I i love to to write and tell those stories mm-hmm. so i mean um i'm sorry uh, you can go sorry. i was just gonna say uh i was just gonna ask you about you know writing in general as if that was something that you were interested in yeah i mean i i i i have been wanting to when i when i grew when i was young i wanted to be a writer um and like yeah. and now i feel like i've done just about everything but just write um you know i do write yeah. right i do have a book published you know it's a game you yeah. know adventure mm-hmm. kind of thing but there there are a lot of words um uh, but yeah. like, you know, they're not just room stories. It, it, it is a thing that interests me. Um, but I also just love game design so much. I love, I love creating that space. And I, I just want to go back to what you're saying uh, about the uh, encounter kind yeah. of stuff. One, one of the interesting things I found um, in, because uh, I also, uh, I find I write better adventures when I GM a, a whole lot. Right. So I GM a whole lot. Yeah. Right. And because it, it just builds that that sort of sensitivity, to sort of what works in an adventure. And then I can just, you know, sort of envision a time and then put it in. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, what I found works for it, uh, uh, encounter design is to you can sort of like build for a sort of challenge, like it, put some challenge in there, but build for interest rather than challenge right is like yeah if you can if you can build something like put in like an element or two that players are going to remember um 
then that does a thing because because the, the interesting stuff is like dice do weird things that you can't control right sometimes sometimes you plan yeah. uh, I, I think every gm has a story where they have like the killer enemy and they put it in front of the players and then uh they just roll a bunch of crits like i, I was just listening to one of my favorite uh podcasts cosmic crit they fought like the enemy, like uh, it was like uh, the attack of the swarm uh, for Starfinder. They were fighting the big yeah. enemy of the whole thing, right? I listened to them roll like, like one guy rolled t- two crits in the same round, like back to back crits, right? They critted everybody wow. rolled yeah. a crit on this thing within a couple of turns. The big boss just went yeah. poof. Right. But it was an interesting <laughs> fight because of what it was doing. And it was an interesting fight because it was particularly challenging. They killed the thing. Um, right. And yeah. and so if they'll remember it, then I think it's a success. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely cool. And I've talked about it before on my show, but, you know, I've had a lot of instances just in our game of like situations that could be super hairy where the players just got creative mm-hmm. Um and figured out a different way to do it. And then we're in uh, the city of Anthusis uh, in the Muggy Expanse right now. And the city of Anthusis has a lot of, it's a like a recovered city um, that mm-hmm. used to be colonized by Old Cheliaxon. And so there's a lot of kind of, um, what's the word? Like freedom of like, right. you can do whatever you want, um, but they're trying to please so many people. So there's some like, yeah, we're, you know, privateers and we're good merchants. We sell stuff during the day. And there's other people like, well, we're black market merchants. And, you know, some of our stuff is being done at night. And I just kind of talked about like that being an aspect of the city. And then they wanted to like look in these warehouses. And I'm like, these people are not going to let you look in these warehouses. So then now, hopefully we'll resolve this by the time this episode comes out. But now they're inside this warehouse trying to figure out what's in there when it's like, <laughs> this isn't even a part of the story. It's just something that they latched onto. They're like, well, what's going on? But mm-hmm. I'm like, you're not like saving this whole city from its corrupt portions. Like, but that's, but they in there right now for the players' minds to them, it's just like, well, what's going on here? Like mm-hmm. we need to figure out what it is. And they're confused. Cause it's just like, well, yeah, you see, you know, different uh, foodstuffs and you see different uh, costs. And like, <laughs> it's not like shady stuff. It's just stuff that they, they maybe didn't pay their taxes for or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to see, you know, how players latch on to things mm-hmm. and, and, and what really makes an impact when you're doing that stuff. Right. Do you still get uh, chances to just be a player in games um, or do you still find yourself GMing most of the time? Uh, rarely. Um, I got to play um, uh, in a game with some folks uh, just a little while ago. It was uh, uh, fantastic. Um, I got to play like a the coolest um barbarian uh barbarians in pathfinder are so awesome um uh, i got to play like a scythe wielding spirit barbarian um who had like the uh was accompanied by the like um spirits of his like dead crewmates from the pirate ships um (laughs) that he was on um uh i also got to i think the last time i got to play was um for my birthday of uh at the beginning of august i had a quincon um, my own like little mini online gaming convention um and we played um i got to play in uh several uh different games um on that so that was really great that's awesome do you um because it sounds like you you really enjoy 
GMing? Do you feel like you have a preference to either one? Like playing or... I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really... I really prefer GMing uh, when, yeah. it, when it comes down to it. I just, um, it's just like a really, uh, I like taking people's like ideas and stuff that they're doing and like finding ways to like highlight them and bring them to the fore and kind of, oh, you have this character who does this, like, you know, um, you know, like here's a place where it can shine and just, and just sort of making this sort of platform uh, yeah. where we can all do really cool stuff. So yeah, I really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. I think it, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, so that being said, do you feel like you create NPCs, NPCs the same way, like um, in terms of, you know, how you get inspired by it or, or the ideas around it um, when you're creating your characters? Yeah. I mean, so when I, uh, it's an interesting thing. Like I, my prep, process has evolved a lot um as a gm over like the decades um you know i used to sort of like go to like okay i'm gonna like try and prep every single ounce of the world and like have these big three ring binders with like you know all this detail um you know none of it gets used um to (laughs) um the other set of like okay none of this is getting used so i'm just gonna make up the stuff on the fly and get really good at um you know, doing stuff on the fly. Uh, and then, um, right now I, I, most of my prep I do is to be flexible to improv. Um, like, uh, I like having systems like, like at this point I know Pathfinder two well enough that I can just sort of easily sketch out kind of some systems and using archives of Nethys, I could um, create a fought fight on the fly if I needed to, but also like, you know, use the different subsystems um, and like make quick things to represent what we're doing at the moment. Um, yeah. And so uh, like when I make characters, some sometimes like uh, when I know they're going to be around in a place, I like, I actually like my, my process is actually going on Google and like like images and like sort of getting different like character images mm-hmm. and stuff and um then making like a one line blurb for each person and yeah. then just just to have like a list of characters and then and then I, I don't kind of know much else about the character till I like introduce them and then I just start just making up it. whatever their personality is there on the spot. Yeah. No, that's actually really that's really cool. I I um I've done a little bit of that, like of the, you know, create a list of stuff and, and hope your players interact with it um, for sure. And, and mm-hmm. I think most GMs find out like a lot of times they're just wherever they're at, that's what they're interacting with and, and uh, everything else mm-hmm. really doesn't matter. So, um, but I think that's a cool system to just kind of, you know, have those uh, images, like you said, and, and use that as inspiration for, uh, for what you're doing do you are you a, a gm that uses like different voices and stuff like that or you kind of just um narrate the story i flux it, 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 i flux between it depends on sort of the game sometimes and some sometimes just the mood um yeah. uh you know after like a, a really long day in the middle of the week uh, i'm not the most voicey but i but i try to i, I actually enjoy trying to do it uh, the theme that i don't do um that i refuse to do these days are accents okay um, won't do won't, won't I, I won't do them uh, mostly mostly because accents are sort of like 
kind of like the road to stereotypes, right? Uh, yeah. Because they're because uh, like an accent, like if I use you know uh, uh, my my horrible horrible bad British accent, um, <laughs> is kind of like me is is like me sort of projecting this sort of oh I'm clearly a British person and all of the stuff that you associate with a British person, right? Yeah. Um, and and not like. British people are like marginalized folks at all, right? But, <laughs> but if you if you if you if you then apply that to a marginalized group, it is it starts getting cringy real fast. Yeah. And so, rather than let rather than allow myself to go in cringy past, I just go nope, because uh, because you can do a lot with your. What I found is you can do a lot with your voice, um, just through changing pitch, tone, speed, mannerisms, right? Things like yeah. that. And so um, that's how I t- tend to sort of do my voices uh, when I'm going to do them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I actually, I, I really relate to, to that feeling of just like, you know, having that. Some days I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm all about, I'll do a hundred voices. And some days I'm like, you guys will be lucky if you get other than what I'm speaking right now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> the world is a little exhausting sometimes. So uh, I completely understand. Um, and that's very cool. And then so yeah, you talked a little bit about your son, it, it looks like you, um, he's kind of taken on some of that game design uh, idea as well. Is that, you know, does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird, because I like I, I really kind of like, try to avoid like for for many years like explicitly doing games design stuff it's like like you know i'm not i'm definitely not looking to make a little clone of me um, right yeah and, you know i want you know i want him to have his own interests and things that 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 move move him and then i'll just support those things but you know um like I, I might've been doing a bad job or he pick you know, of, of hiding it or something, or he picked stuff up by osmosis. Um, but you know, we, he, he likes doing it. I, you know, I hear, hear him talking about game stuff with his friends and, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's super smart about it and it's really fun. And like, uh, the last, uh, most recently last weekend, um, we, made uh uh a splatoon based rpg he plays a lot of splatoon um <laughs> and so we made a a splatoon based uh role-playing game called uh splatitude and yeah. uh uh he played it with all his friends and stuff like that and uh, it was fun yeah oh you actually just reminded me um so one thing i really wanted to talk to you about um uh, because i was going to attempt to do this on my own, um, but you created a system to run Pathfinder 2e uh, with just one player, correct? Yeah, I still need to write that up. I, I actually had stuff written up, and then I, I uh, accidentally deleted what I'd written, oh, no. <laughs> and I sort of need to get back to like I need to like pick up the stuff and and, and get back and and write it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean. It's essentially a system for just using kind of some of the the uh, the nice thing about Pathfinder is it has tight math, so you can kind of do stuff like a um, one of the first things I do for it when I was playing with Johnny um, is I would just um, when you're in Paragon mode is kind of like a is like kind of like an overlay over your character, so like the mm-hmm. you know is is meant so you can sort of have a like a, a normal character and then you sort of put this thing on top of them and then they're like ready for solo play and then you could take yeah. it off and then they could go play with normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like one of the things is just simply giving you uh, in the Paragon mode, it gives you like a plus um, like three 
um, okay. to all of your defenses, right? Yeah. Which which instantly and and then doubles your hit points, which mm-hmm. instantly makes you able to sort of throw down with anything yeah. that's your level. Gotcha. You know, and then there are a couple other things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, when you, in terms of like balancing encounters, um, do you still feel like you're able to have kind of dynamic where it's not like it's always you against one monster or or things like that? Like, um, you know, do you still feel like you're able to kind of balance that out and have like, you know, you're fighting a multitude of things and maybe just have to be creative about mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I mean, when we played it, so we've gone through most in in Paragon mode. We've gone through um, most of the like the first level of the beginner's box, okay. um, and uh, with just the normal encounters because that was a neat thing too. Uh, one of the other themes was, um, so I didn't want to give like him like an extra character to manage. So what yeah. I did was like we we gave him like a he had had a companion um, like a dwarf rogue. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name right now. And then we gave him a couple of abilities that were mm-hmm. basically, uh, we gave him, we gave him like an extra paragon action, right? So you have your three action, then you have a paragon action that you can use and you can use that for any of these paragon abilities that your buddy can use. And one of them oh, was okay. just like, you know, uh, like, uh, Hey, I stab one of your guys, which is just literally, he rolls like, you know, 2d4 and just deals that damage to somebody. Right. Yeah. And so his friend could, so, so with that extra stuff, he has this, he has a friend and then we'd role play out, you know, his friend dancing around the battlefield with him, yeah. um, uh, you know, doing his stuff and then uh, him uh, taking his action. Um, and, and between that, everything just sort of flowed otherwise like a normal fight. So we didn't have to like I, I've, I've so far run him through the beginner box um, with no alterations. OK. Yeah, that's really I mean, cool. also the friend gave him extra skills. Sorry. Oh, OK. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's. Yeah, that's really fun. Um, when I originally was going to start my campaign, the only person I knew that would play at the time uh, was my best friend. And I was like, well, I'm just going to... Uh, originally, I was just going to give him a, a dual class because that's an option you can do in Pathfinder. You can just take two classes, level them up at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, and and uh, we initially were like, well, let's just play it normal. I'll just make you... Uh, I think he was level two. And I was like, I'm not just try to balance it as best as I can. And then we had another friend join after our first session. So it, it started to work out, but even with two people, it's still a little bit, um, uh, you know, balancing that has been a little bit, uh, uh, difficult at times, just trying to, you know, not overpower them, but give them the challenge still and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, a uh, it's a lot of fun just trying to, to make it all work. So I think it's really cool that you have that system. I, you know, I hope, uh, uh to be able to see that and try it out one day. Yeah, yeah, when, oh, yeah. When I get the basics of it, uh, like uh, done out there, I'll, I'll probably do a um, just a basic draft um, and sort of like put it out um, for people to check out and play test, um, and then get some feedback on it, and then like revise it further. Yeah, very awesome. Um, well, cool. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this. This has been a lot of fun. I've learned quite a bit. Yeah, it's so. been a great talk. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, I'm, you know, I definitely have thought about game design myself. And I think that there's a lot of people out there in the TTRPG world that uh, that want to try it, but maybe are afraid to. So hopefully this will inspire some folks to to give it a shot. And, mm-hmm. and you can be the, the Mike Pondsmith for a, a bunch of us out there. No, uh, I, I don't know if I'll go that far, but like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I will say I will say that every GM is a game designer yeah. flat out. You are a game. You are a game designer, right? You are you, 
because 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 to put the the things that you're doing by by taking even the game elements uh, and putting them together for your uh, people that you run with that that's game design, yeah. right? Um, yeah. You're 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 doing just another version of sort of it, you know like what a what, what someone would do in adventure design to put it in a book. You're just doing it live for people at the table, um, yeah. and then it's just another the real difference I think between a game master. And sort of like someone who's like designing, uh, doing game design as a game master and doing it for like a a freelance or publishing is really more of the kind of generalized thinking that you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I make a, when, when I write this story, I actually have to think about more than, I have to think about like many tables running this, like what will work for the most people. Mm-hmm. And that's like really the main difference. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's really cool and fantastic advice. So thank you so much again. And um, yeah, everybody go buy his books and, and his games and, and, you know, support this gentleman. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing.